giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Humanity First. My name is Peter Evers, and uh, this is a show brought to you by BAMZ. Um, and we're in May. We're about halfway through May. Uh, and as many of you will know, May is Mental Health Month, and we're having a number of celebrations, actually, at, uh, at BAMZ and in our communities over the over the month and of course in my opinion mental health is every day of every month of every year uh, because and, and, and now of course is an incredibly important time post COVID uh, and as we uh, talked about a little bit before the um, the presence of technology in the developing adolescent is something that as a country I think we're all really worried about um, so we're sort of going to weave in some of those issues today uh, and talk about uh, the diversity, equity and inclusion movement that is going on in this country. And in many ways, we're moving into a period of time where we're actually beginning to pay attention to some of the inequities that have existed over the last, I, I don't know how many years, I was maybe say a thousand years. Mm. Uh, and, and in that time, um, recently we've, we're on a learning path as a country. In some ways we're a divided country around some of these issues, but I have two very special guests in the studio today. Um, I have Gwen Broadway. Hi Gwen, how Hello. are you? And she's our director of uh, scheduling. I nearly said scheduling. I know. <laughs> <laughs> of scheduling and staff, God bless you, because that's a very difficult job. Yes, it is. <laughs> and also Kat Stewart. Hi Kat, how Hi. are you doing? Good. And Kat is our director of operations and our behavioral health and children's services. So two folks that are really involved in our diversity and equity um, programs uh, at BAMSI, uh, which really have taken on a life of their own, uh, especially since the summer of 2020, um, when this country witnessed the murder of uh, George Floyd, uh, a terrible moment in American culture and society, but also a moment that, sp that sparked uh, interest from all sorts of places, perhaps where there hadn't been this interest before. Um, so in some sense, that really was a moment that began a different way of looking at uh, issues of inequity in society <clears throat> and I thought it'd be great to have <clears throat> have you on because you play such an important role within the organization but the conversation I'd like to have is more about is, is broader than that it's about some of the things that are going on in society which are dividing us and some of the things that are going on in, in society that sometimes we say we're making great progress in this country and then there's, there's a little bit of a bang on the head and says well wait a minute mm -hmm. is that really the case so Kat, let me start with you. You know, um, you know, I uh, when we were doing the prep for this show, um, I had said that when I first came to this country in 1990, I was having a debate with somebody about women's rights, uh, and my my friend, he's still my friend, said that's not an issue anymore in America. That we have legislated that it's been asked and an answered. You know, the right for a woman to choose is inexorably written in law. Well, we know that actually was not the case. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats could have done something about that a long time ago, but they, they didn't. And now we're in this situation where the Supreme Court has made some um, some decisions which actually are not supporting women's rights. Um, I mean, in the context of that, you know, do you feel that way? Do you, I mean, do you feel as a woman that you're under attack? 
Yes, very much so. <laughs> I feel like if I can't walk through this world with the exact same rights as men, then yes, I'm under attack. If I have to have a life-saving medical procedure and I live in a state where that's not allowed, that's a problem. Um, and I think it's unfortunate that, that that's where we're at still after so many years that it was the law of the land and it is not anymore. Um, I, I take concern with that for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, and, and Gwen, I mean, let me just ask you as well. I mean, this is this is such a massive issue that is dividing the country at the moment. Not necessarily dividing along gender lines either. When you have conversations with with mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of people who are uh, who are supporting the uh, decisions of the of the Supreme Court, and a country divided in a way. And when we look at uh, divisions. There really, there really is a divide here, right? When it comes, when it comes to a woman's right to choose. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, um, we, how long, how many years it took us to get the right to vote? I mean, that took, that was how many years ago? And even for women of color, I mean, it was even harder for us to vote after mm -hmm. women fought to get um, rights to vote. So I think we are truly dealing with this every day, um, women's rights. It's sickening to see that people are taking away our rights as women when we should have a voice over our own bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it may seem so obvious to so many of us, but not to so many others. And that, I think that's one of the things that really worries us. And just sort of to bring that back into the mental health mm -hmm. uh, um, sort of equation because I believe that you know our mental health is managed by ourselves but is um, is pressed down upon by many of the things that we that we deal with in our communities and oftentimes we don't take into account that I mean COVID is a good example right COVID happened but it, it wasn't an equal uh, an equal opportunity pandemic it was mm -hmm. a pandemic that affected women much more than men because mm -hmm. who were the who were the primary caretakers usually of children and and, and so many women left the workplace there uh, um, communities of color um, mm -hmm. who uh, were in jobs that you know people couldn't uh, work from home so were put at uh, more risk for example we think of ourselves, I think, as a country, uh, and this is true of Europe as well, that we've made a lot of progress. But there are, there are issues like the George Floyd uh, um, murder that sort of bring us back to wondering how far we've come. And, mm -hmm. and going, let me ask you about that, because um, we thought with the election of, I'll never forget watching a show mm -hmm. after Barack Obama was, was elected, uh, and the newscaster, I think it was Dan Rather actually, said something like, now, are we f finally facing a post-racial America? Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that and I thought, well, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It didn't necessarily work out that way, did it? No, I, mm -hmm. I actually think it got worse. Um, people were targeted um, for all different reasons. Um, personally, um, my son, he, who worked at Amazon, um, they just delivering packages to people's houses in a neighboring in the South Shore area. I mean, every day he was getting bottles thrown at him. Um, he was getting followed. He was calling, he was getting called racial slur words just for going to work. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how far do we really come? Yeah. And then you begin to think about, well, what kind of effect does that have on an individual's um, mental health? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think it's really important to note that there are times when these differences are so um, 
so so clear. Um, and many of my friends talk about the talk mm -hmm. uh, when they have mm -hmm. uh, when people of color have children. Mm -hmm. I never ever had that conversation with uh, with any of my three children. Yeah, it's it's really sad, Peter, because every day that I my son goes out. I think about if he's going to call me, if he's going to be dead or if he's going to be alive or if he got pulled over by the police. You're honestly always on edge every single day having a, um, a black son mm. uh, or a black daughter, which I do. Um, you never know what phone call you may get at any time and your nerves is always on edge. Something that is very difficult to understand for somebody like me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I I, when I get stopped by the police, and I have been stopped a couple of times <laughs> mm -hmm. because I've got a lead foot, the last thing I think, well, I wind down the window and I'm as polite as I can be to the officer, but I don't assume mm -hmm. that something bad is going right. to happen. And that is a real privilege for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we got to teach our sons, like, I have to change up everything. Put your registration in your visor. Don't move too quick. Answer everyone's questions correctly. All the stuff we got to do to make sure our son come home every night. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, you know, you'll never experience. Mm -hmm. Peter will never experience. And it's something that you think about every single day. You cannot just wake up and be like, okay, today's a brand new day. It's something that's always constant. Mm -hmm. It's really important that as a group, you have the ability to talk about those things as well. And, um, can we get back to you in a second, yeah. but I just, I just want to follow up on something. Um, that also was happening in our workplace, wasn't mm -hmm. it, in terms of, um, you know, BIPOC folks coming to work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this isn't a Bamsey issue. I think it's an issue that goes across all communities that um, in some neighborhoods, it's very difficult for people who work in residential homes, for instance, because um, because they're being stopped by the police on the way, on the way to work, or mm -hmm. they're being stopped. Um, pushing a wheelchair on the sidewalk mm -hmm. um, with one of our persons served. Uh, you've done a lot of work within the, our DEJA committee around that. Do you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah. Um, literally, um, what we did, we did the road show and we went out to one of the programs and just talking to the staff and they just talked about how they were getting um, harassed going to and from work. And I was like, what do you mean by harass? They were like, no, they would never pull us over. They would just follow us mm. to like the Rhode Island line and pull off. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is happening to and from work. So when I brought it to the Deja group, um, I'm like, okay, we need to talk to Peter about this. He mm -hmm. needs to address this because these are our staff just going to and from work. And that has to be annoying and frustrating, scared. I mean, a staff said that he didn't know if he should get life insurance on him because he doesn't know if he's going to die. Wow. That's true. Amazing. Mm. You yeah. know. Mm -hmm. So what, what happened next? And then, so what happened next is that you kind of met with the police commissioner and you guys had a conversation. I think you brought the staff, some staff showed up at least, and um, they talked with the police commissioner and try to come out with a solution. And since then, from which I haven't heard, hopefully it stopped. 
but you know, no one has come back to me mm-hmm. and said like it's still happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, Kat, sorry. So I just want to make a comment on mm-hmm. that. I think it's so important mm-hmm. that these stories are being told because as mm-hmm. I was sitting here thinking about mm-hmm. my own experiences as a mother, like I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about what you have to worry about, and yes. so the toll that it takes on y- your mental health, <laughs> but also to working in this field is hard. Yes. And then you have this added layer. Mm-hmm. So I think having these types of conversations are important, and mm-hmm. people need to take the time to listen yes. you know, about what's really happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. Totally is, because the this isn't myth. This isn't mm-hmm. fantasy. No. This, is, this is reality. And I will give a shout out to the police department. I won't mention which, well, there's been a few. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, when uh, these issues were brought uh, to the chief, um, in one particular case, the case mm-hmm. that you're talking about, mm-hmm. the lieutenant, sorry, lieutenant uh, uh, and the chief came out mm-hmm. to the house, sat with the staff, mm-hmm. uh, spent an hour and a half chatting mm-hmm. about what it what is and, and staff of color and many but, and by the way many staff from uh, Africa as well in the house talked about their experience as being new Americans mm-hmm. and it was yeah. just this really nice moment where this particular p- police chief knew exactly what to say mm-hmm. not to not to deny people's realities to talk about the work that all police uh, forces had to do in order to, you know, look like the communities that they they, they serve in and be a, aware of uh, unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this was police chief that done a lot of work on this. And, and I, I, I was happy about that. I don't, Gwen, I don't know if, if people are still being followed, but certainly haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, like on my end, I've told you, no one has came back to me and said it's still being a problem. Um, but I can always go back and ask them, reach out to them, like, is those issues right. still happening? But far as I know, it's not. Well, it's good to hear. Mm-hmm. It's a small victory in a, in a very long fight, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and when we talk about um, equity and, and justice, and I, I believe that social justice runs through everything that we do in this organization mm-hmm. and, uh, and in our communities as well. Um, you know, and as we think about the um, LGBTQ population, and I know Kat that you've been involved in the uh, in the um, subgroup that works mm-hmm. there, um, <clears throat> we shouldn't forget that there are laws uh, or law- attempted um, legislation which is mm-hmm. <clears throat> really will ha- end up with laws that sort of legislate trans. Right. Uh, people out of existence. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about some of the stories that you've heard uh, around. I mean, how does that affect mm-hmm. a group of people mm-hmm. who feel under yeah. threat? I mean, largely, I mean, think about it. You're someone else is dictating what you can and cannot do and how you can live your life. And I think, you know, they're taking their power, the legislation to try to control a group of people that just want to be who they are. And it, it takes a large toll. I mean, you see it in young people who have high rates of depression and suicide and significant mm-hmm. mental health issues, and all they're looking for is some level of acceptance and being able to live their life you know, freely like everyone else has the ability to. So it's it's hard to see, and it's hard to see people hurting because of their their lives not being valued you know, based on whatever's happening in the government. There is so much to do. There is so much that's been done. Mm-hmm. It's a, this issue is alive, yeah. and this issue needs to deba- be debated. And can't, I really appreciate that you said that conversations mm-hmm. need to be ha- had, yeah. mm-hmm. even if we if, if we have different opinions. Right. Mm-hmm. We need to debate these issues right. because it's all about human rights in the end. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
I want to thank you so much for coming thank in today you. and yes, uh, learned again. a lot. <laughs> and uh, and hopefully, you know, we can come back in a few months and see where we are. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm an essential worker here at BMZ and I'm a nurse. Nurses are essential here at BMZ because as nurses, we really have the opportunity to make an impact. We have very small ratios, so we have the opportunity to really learn everything about the person served and be able to give the best care. It really serves such a great purpose for me as being a nurse and really why I came into nursing. Learn more about nursing opportunities at bmzjobs.org. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, and um, this is Peter Evers again uh, with Humanity First. Um, it was so great to have Kat uh, and, and Gwen on the show. They are really deeply involved in this sort of striving for equity and justice in our communities, as so many people are in the great state of Massachusetts. Um, it still is uh, Mental Health Month, month of May. Uh, and so I think it's still important that we have conversations about mental health. Uh, and even more important that we talk a little bit about the mental health of children uh, and adolescents. Um, this week, my youngest son, was 30 years old, uh, which makes me feel very old. I no longer have a child in, in their 20s. Um, I watched him mourn the, the, uh, the old age of youth, if you like, um, and he is you know, contemplating uh, the next stage of his life. And I often wondered while I was looking at him while we were celebrating, um, if he had, how he would have fared if he had had the technology in his hands that children do today, he probably, along with my other two children and everybody else in that generation, were the last group um, who did not have uh, a smartphone or a tablet in their hands by the, by the time that they were uh, three or four or even five years old. In many ways, that was the end of an era because the next group coming up really were the technology children as we look at mental health of children post-COVID, I think it's really, really important that we ask ourselves, um, what are the benefits and the downfalls of technology? What role has technology played uh, in the development of our children? And there are good things and there are bad things. Knowing stuff is no longer currency. You'll never, ever overhear again a conversation at a restaurant table where somebody's saying, who is that guy who won the Oscar in Dances with Wolves? Why? Because within five seconds, somebody will have picked up their smartphone and Googled the fact that it was Kevin Cosner. Now, whether or not you agree with it, it was Kevin Cosner. Um, but, there's, but that debate, that discussion um, is no longer had. So if knowledge is no longer the currency, what things are important to young people today? They're probably the same as they were 50 and 100 years ago. Most of those things nowadays, though, revolve around, the, around uh, social media and the notion of acceptance into various groups. Belonging cannot be underestimated in the happiness of a young person. That being said, the Internet has broadened the highway of hate in this country and all around the world. 
Young people are subject to a barrage of images and statements that often serve to undermine and destroy their confidence. And in turn, it affects the ability to attach and their ability to be in groups and feel comfortable. The carnage of the battle of social of the battlefield of social media media hasn't escaped legislators. And indeed, there's a lot of legislation around at the moment addressing this. In fact, in Utah, they've just passed a bill that says that it is illegal for a child to use the uh, social media without parental consent. I don't know if that'll work. I don't know how you would uh, control that. I don't know how you would make sure that it was happening. Whether or not our legislators are doing the right thing, I think we're in a position now where we're having these conversations in the public eye, where we're really beginning to talk about the dangers of overexposure to social media. The better we are when we have these these uh, conversations. I don't think you'll ever be in a group of parents and you ask them to show a hand that says, I wish I had exposed my children to social media earlier. You probably ask that a hundred times and you wouldn't get one hand. That's concerning. I think apps like TikTok um, and uh, Instagram are finally getting the message that if they don't do something soon, then they're going to have something done to them. So they're introducing the idea of uh, controls and and what have you. And parents can actually take control of that themselves. There's uh, an app, and there's many of them, but there's one called Bark that is really helpful in giving parents control over what is viewed, and importantly, over the length of time that children are online. (laughs) Being a good parent actually means You need to be a snoop. You need to know what's going on. In our day, uh, at the beginning of uh, instant messaging and AOL, we as parents would have to take the keyboards off the computers and put them under our pillows every night to ensure that that our kids were safe. I think it's really important to remember that social media algorithms are designed solely to maximize profit and not for the benefit of children. Frankly, 11-year-old children are far too young to hold a supercomputer in their hands that's pointed directly at their brains. What's more, that supercomputer often preys on self-image and preys on the hormones of kids to keep their attention, and especially with vulnerable children. That can result in addiction, depression, and isolation. Ensuring that children with a serious emotional disturbance are monitored on social media is more important given the vulnerabilities of those kids, those kids who have pre-existing conditions. Parents and legislators at all of these organizations must collectively realize that the future of our country will look very different if we don't pay attention to what is going on with our kids and social media. Now, I'm not a a Luddite. I don't believe in turning back the clock. Every generation of children has had something and some trauma to deal with. I think about the greatest generation, the Second World War and the First World War, when kids themselves will be picking up guns and and going to fight for their country. I think about the kids who survived the the Dust Bowl and the uh, the Great Depression. We all have our challenges. If we know anything about children, 
we know that their plastic brains are inquisitive, beautiful, resilient, and full of hope. We will survive this greatest threat as long as we tr hold true to the notion that the mental health of our children is the most important thing in the development of their lives and their brains. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month, everybody. Thank you, and I'll see you next time. This is Peter Reavers signing off. Thank you. Thank you.